and I wasn't getting up at four o'clock in the morning during those few weeks. And it felt great, you know, to, to have time for my kids at night and not have to be going to a commission meeting or not have to be, you know, on whatever. So those three weeks kind of just like opened up my eyes again. And then when I went back to work, <laughs> I turned in my notice that day. I can't oh. do it anymore. Oh. I can't. Um, <laughs> I like y'all a little bit, but no. <laughs> Welcome to Wise and Wine, a play on the phrase, rise and shine. Now look here, folks. I've had five jobs in the last two years, and that shit just ain't normal. Or is it? No, no, it's not. So I'm turning to diverse people who inspire me both professionally and personally with careers that didn't exactly start at point A and end at point B. We'll explore how their families, their cultures, and their communities impacted their career decisions, as well as the exact moment they decided to pursue their passions, even if that passion wasn't a direct path to a pension or a 401k. Hopefully, I'll come away knowing how they became the badass, the confident, the strategic people that I admire. And if I don't come out of this project a little wiser, well, at least I'll enjoy the boozy wine ride. You guys, I am so excited to introduce you to another one of my TikTok crushes. Her name is Keisha Burchell Webb. And I think the first video of hers I've seen was she did a duet with Viola Davis. And if you have not seen Viola Davis's speech where she's talking about how she's as equally trained as some of the other top actresses of her time and people call her things like oh you're the next Meryl Streep and she says well yeah if you think that then then compensate me for that and Keisha's going through some stuff right now in her professional life and she had to deal with a manager who I, I at this point I don't know how this woman keeps her job she has said the most outlandish stuff to Keisha and to Keisha's credit she's handled it with grace and with a sense of I really want to come from a place of care and a place of education when I'm sure inside she just wants to pop off at this woman because if my boss told me that my kid looked like buckwheat or that I I was pretty for a black woman or some of the other nonsensical stuff that this woman has said to Keisha, I don't know if I would have been able to keep my shit together. And yeah, so I think she's approaching her professional situation from a place of social activism, from a place of education, from a place of care that, hey, boss, I want you to hear this from me and I want you to get this information from me because I care about what happens to you. And so, I don't know, I thought that was really great that she could take this really stressful, shitty situation and find a way to for it to be a development situation for her boss. And I think as I deep dive into Keisha's career and her life, I realized, yeah, that's kind of the thread of her career is she's had the most insane job. Like she's honestly the person that I probably had in mind when I created this podcast, somebody whose career path has been windy, but ultimately they're ending up where they're supposed to be because they pursued their passion. And that's absolutely Keisha in a nutshell. So she'll talk about her path from what she thought she was going to do in college, which she didn't really have a plan, but I'm sure her plan didn't involve working for the governor's office, working in corrections, working security at Turner Broadcasting. So I think whatever plan she would have created is not the plan that she's on today, but she approaches it all with a sense of gratitude, with a sense of humor, and I really, really enjoyed speaking with her. So without further ado, I present this week's guest, Keisha Purcell Webb.
All right. Hi, Keisha. Welcome to Wise and Wine. What are you drinking today? Hello, Jennifer. And I hope this doesn't put me out of the social girls club, but it's just water. Today. <laughs> you and know, boring, boring. I know. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. And I think, again, this was not a super well out, well thought out plan that I had when I created the podcast. I thought, oh, we're just going to be drinking wine and kicking, but we're talking yeah. about careers and people have jobs and we record a lot <laughs> during the day. And so if you were day drinking, I'd be a little bit nervous, but <laughs> well, it's not a reflection of what I'll be doing later. <laughs> well, then, oh. then what will you be drinking later? That's the important part. I will likely have a nice, wonderful bottle, not bottle, glass, <laughs> glass, everybody. Of red wine. Okay, yeah. perfect. Do you have? Are you Merlot or Cab Pinot? Do you have a preference? I'm a sweet red kind of gal. Okay. I, I I know this is probably frowned upon by the elite wine community, <laughs> but I like a good blend, like something sweet and light. I do, actually I do too. I think I there's something about a hard red that just doesn't speak to me, but the blends are are really really good. So I'm I'm right, right? there. With you. I'm right there so, with you. Okay. <laughs> And obviously we have to start with the most important question. I know that you live in Florida. So the most important question of all questions, Mm -hmm. are you a Dolphins fan? Dolphin? Oh my God, am I supposed to say yes? Um, No, I prefer that you say no, actually. (laughs) Oh, great. Because the only D I root for is Dallas. I'm a huge (laughs) Dallas Cowboys fan. Now, how how did that happen? Living in Florida that you became a, a Cowboys fan? You know, I married into it. What can I say? You know, he talks crap. I talk crap. It's what we're supposed to do. You know? Okay. Well, I saw a couple of your videos where he had, where you were imitating your husband and you had the Cowboys jersey on. And I was like, oh my gosh, I hope she's not a Dolphins fan. Cause I am a, a born and raised Jets fan. So we may have had to end this, <laughs> end this early. Right, right. <laughs> okay. All right. Perfect. Well, we will talk about your growing TikTok career, but first, can you walk me through your career path specifically, specifically, sorry, your unique experiences and transitions between the Air Force, the governor's office, working in the entertainment industry and radio, BET, and then corrections. Like you are exactly the person I created this podcast for. Somebody whose career <laughs> didn't start here and ended here. You were like, let me take this path and this path. So I need to hear all about it. And you know, it's so interesting that it turned out that way because I feel like in my adult life, I look back on my college years and I'm thinking, why didn't I have a plan? <laughs> why wasn't it mapped out for me? Why didn't I know exactly what I was going to do mm-hmm. from start to finish? Like the other girls in my journalism classes. Um, but I started out with the Air Force because I wanted to pay for school. I did not have uh, money to afford college. My mom couldn't afford to send me. So someone had the bright idea, my dad, to <laughs> join the military And so uh, that took off and then landed quite early because I ended up getting a medical discharge. And um, so then I thought, okay, I went back and I graduated college. And now I'm thinking at this point, I figured out that I definitely want to write, right? So someone came up with an opportunity for me at the governor's office at the time, totally apolitical, had no idea about anything to do with government, politics, nothing, but I was actually in the film department and I've always in my heart of hearts wanted to be an actress, right? So to be in the film office was just like a dream come true. I remember going over um, documents for bad boys when it was filming in the States and that was just like huge for me, right? Um, So then after that, I discovered I wanted to get more into writing um, and I saw the movie 13 going on 30, if you can believe it or not. And that made me want to be a journalist. Right. So um, I started to pursue the um, the curriculum in college and fell in love with it. And then, of course, after that, um, the biggest metropolitan city uh, to me at the time was Atlanta. And that was my big dream to move to Atlanta and go to auditions and, you know, be this journalist for the Atlanta Journal Constitution, freelance and, you know, you know, all of these fantastic dreams. Right. Well, I ended up working in security at Turner Broadcasting (laughs) for the time being. And of course, while I'm there, right, I'm trying to make these connections with these people because eventually I want to write for Cartoon Network and, you know, I want to be in the in the basement creating these fabulous, you know, um, cartoons for Adult Swim. And, you know, again, with the fabulous, fantastical dreams while I'm at the security gate letting the (laughs) car. 
<laughs> checking IDs. <laughs> right, 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 right. I was good at it. I was good at it. Um, so then um, fast forward, I ended up moving back home. My mom had this big medical procedure that she needed done. Nobody was there to help her. So I gave up all of my, my pipe dreams temporarily to move down and help my mom. And if you know anything about my city, you can probably drive in and out of it in about seven minutes. <laughs> so I thought, oh my God, what am I going to do when I go back home? I don't want to teach. I don't want to work at the hospital. What am I going to do? So corrections, there's three prisons and a couple of jails that are right here in town and it paid the most and um, as terrifying as it sounded I stayed there for a few years and then when my mom got better it was back off to Atlanta well then a few years later she passed away right so I came back to this small town and somehow some way there was a radio station here where this radio station came from <laughs> absolutely no idea at the time it was a Spanish station and then I think it was a, a, a country music station and then it was uh, classic hits and then it was country again. Anyhow, anyhow, they needed someone for their public affairs show. And it was in journalism, it was the first job actually in my major after I graduated and it was perfect. And I did not realize at the time that I would actually be on the air. I did not realize that I would be a broadcast journalist. I thought I was just going to be writing the copy. Somebody else would be. No, ma'am. They threw me right behind the mic. And it was terrifying at first, but then I fell in love with it. Oh my God. I love, <laughs> I love this so much. Just talking to the people and getting the feedback, not so much really being opinionated because I didn't feel like I knew enough at the time to give an opinion, but just to make people laugh and kind of entertain and banter with the, the um, DJ it was just the dream. And I mean, the rest is history from there. And then, you know, the videos kind of came later, but that's it in a nutshell, really. All right. Well, I have so many questions about your, your job in radio. So um, I follow a couple of people on TikTok that are uh, news broadcasters and you, you don't have quite the news broadcaster voice, but you definitely have a radio voice. So was that something that you had to, like, how are you trained for that? Do they say, okay, this is your normal voice. This is your on-air voice. Where does that come from? I wish that there was like a training. I wish that there was like a guidance, a direction when I first started. But no, it was all me. And it was very goofy. It was very sloppy. It was very kind of all <laughs> over the place because I didn't know what I was doing. I went to school for print journalism and I graduated with a degree in public relations. So I had no idea how to broadcast on radio until I can remember Jennifer, I will never forget the day that I actually found that voice. I found the broadcast voice and it just kind of came in the middle of my live broadcast one day and it was just a feeling. And from then on, I had that, that kind of strong voice. I was still very much embarrassed about it because it was just so serious and, you know, very not like other journalists, you know? So I, for fear of being compared to them, I never really used it. Like in my videos, I would only use it for work. But it took a while to kind of come to me, like mm -hmm. to train my vocals and like really have the temperament and the inflection. It took a very long time, but I finally found it. Okay, okay. And the one thing I did not enjoy about your radio job is you had to get up at, you have to get up at four, 4.30 in the morning. It's, you know, it's still dark at 4.30 in the morning. So how are you up at, at zero dark 30 and energetic and peppy and keeping everybody up. I don't, I don't know how you do it. If I can be honest, I have no idea. <laughs> and, and that went on for at least seven years. Have it, after having two little children, after breastfeeding all night long, after just late nights of reading books and, you know, I, I, I don't know. Now, I, I don't, I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> So no you have some similarity with me where um, my family career was, they're either in law enforcement or they're in education. So um, for you, how do you think your choices were influenced by your family? Because I did get that same thing too. When I, when it was time to go to college, my dad was like, you can go to the military, you can go to college. I was like, yeah. Ooh, yeah. 
I don't like uniforms, so <laughs> let's go to college. Good so choice. How do you, other than deciding to go to the Air Force, how do you think the rest of your career choices were influenced by uh, your family, your culture, and, and kind of what did you actually envision for yourself as a kid? It's so funny because we never, as a family when I was younger, talked about getting a job to make money. Like, of course, to make money, but to like make a lot of money. Like, okay, this job pays a lot of money. This job pays a lot of money. So why don't you try to do this? It was always, excuse me, what do you like to do? What makes you happy? What is fulfilling? What gives back? You know, what's rewarding? You know, mm. what does that feel like? It was always that kind of thing. And I always liked children. So initially mm. I wanted to be a pediatrician. And my mom was elated with that idea. I love it. My baby's gonna be in the white coat. I love it. She's gonna look <laughs> cute. But then I realized I wouldn't always see the kids happy. Mm. Sometimes I would see them hurt and sad mm. and bleeding or, and I just, I, I can't do it. Right. So my, the base of my childhood was just surrounding, surrounded around feelings. How does it make you feel? How do you like it? Does it fit well? How, you know, those types of things, as opposed to girl, why don't you be a doctor? Because they make lots of money. Why don't mm. you be an attorney? Because they make a lot of money. It was never like that. It was just a feeling kind of thing. What do you like to do? And then let's make that into, you know, a, an income, if you will. Right, right. Yeah. All right. No, and I, and I feel that. I, I feel like there's a thread of um, serving others in all of your careers, even though you didn't always plan for this. Like there's a, right. there is definitely a thread of I'm serving others. I'm helping others and all of that. So that definitely comes through. The one thing that I do not see for you is you sitting behind a desk. Like you talk about your background being in print journalism. You don't, you have too much of this to be sitting behind a desk. Yeah. Yeah. And I can, I can understand that now, but of course then I didn't, I didn't know that about myself. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's mm -hmm. like manifested itself in that way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I couldn't do it. <laughs> now, when I select my guests for my podcast, um, yes. I start with people that either affect me or speak to me in some way, shape or form. And I'm realizing that a growing number of my guests are alumni from HBCUs. And specifically, you're my second guest from Florida A&M University. Oh, wow. so, um, like, did you target HBCUs when you finally did decide to go to college? Like what made you pick FAMU? You know, I'm embarrassed to say that I didn't. I'm embarrassed <laughs> now to say that I did not say I want to go to an historically black college or university. I ended up going there because my friends were going there, but initially I was supposed to be a UCF Knight or mm. a Seminole of the state of Florida. Mm. Um, those were the top colleges. And then FAMU was just kind of like a girl, come with us. You gonna be over there by yourself. You don't know them like. And then my dad, who was living in Savannah, Georgia at the time, said, you'll be closer to me if you go to Tallahassee. I could come down and rescue you if you, whatever, get a flat tire, which he never did. But that was his thing. He wanted me to be closer to him. Mm -hmm. Of course, to the chagrin of my mom, who was like, no, if you're in Orlando, you're closer to me. So... Anyway, I decided to go the line of my friends and I'm so happy that I did, even though, even though, and mom, I love you, but <laughs> even though she was so against it, like she did not want me to be that far away from her, but um, man, that experience at FAMU was, man, I can't even say how I'm glad I made the choice to go there. No, please tell, I, I regretting that I did not go to an HBCU, so I'm, I'm, living vicariously through you within your experience. So why do you, why did going to an HBCU you think was a better fit for you? In retrospect, I believe that it helped mold me into the um, kind of social activist that I'm mm -hmm. drawn to, mm -hmm. um, social activism, I should say. And when I see the, the sororities and, and you know, um, the things that they stand for and, and I see, you know, just the pride in the groups and the, the, the graduates and just all of that, you know, rolled into one, especially after witnessing the, or, or I should say, becoming awakened to the degradation of our people mm. and then being able to be enveloped by the love of the people and accepted by, you know, after 
like after going through everything I went through regarding racism, I can go back and appreciate what I had at that HBCU, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think uh, I, I thought college was gonna be like a different world, you know, that TV show. And I was like, oh, this is what college is gonna be like. And I was like, oh wait, I didn't go to that college. So it's a little different, but my experience is not like this. Yeah. <laughs> I think either way though, I still would have had, and I'm sure you've taken that away too from your college experience as well. Just kind of like a family that you, you know, kind of gravitate to, that you relate to, that you blend with, that you, you know, whatever, you know, and it, it just, you know, at the HBCU, it just happened to be on a larger scale. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I mm-hmm. feel like I'd, I still would have kind of had that same family if I had gone to UCF or if I had gone to Florida State either way. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. So let's deep dive into how we how I got to know you. And that is through your TikTok page. And so your brother actually encouraged you to start your page in, in 2020. Um, yep. And now in the short time that you started it, you already have over 125,000 followers. So what was your plan when you started your page? You know, <laughs> this is just so crazy because I never, I've never even thought about this before. So to talk about it is it's somewhat difficult to articulate because on some level for me, it's just not even like real. Um, Partly because I suffer from imposter syndrome and I I don't really know how to make this thing a a real tangible thing, even when I look at the numbers. But it started, actually started doing funny videos on Instagram when I first moved to Atlanta. And it was all just funny, 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 right? But then after the political climate that was taking place during the pandemic and before the pandemic and during the pandemic, you know, nearly losing my husband, my brother came down. He was actually staying with me just kind of as support just through that whole, this whole weird period. <laughs> but back then, this newly weird period, right? And so, look, I was like... <laughs> <laughs> I was already like embarrassed, right? Because of like, I kind of have like a social insecurity in Mm. some ways. I don't like to be the center of attention. I don't like to be like, and again, I emcee all kinds of events here in town and I do all kinds of big scale stuff, but I don't know how I do. It's kind of like how Beyonce talks about Sasha Fierce. I don't Mm. know, it's very weird. And even that's embarrassing to say, but that's the best analogy that I can come up with. So anyhow, (laughs) videos started to be like um, entertainment for me, just funny, funny stuff. But then Jennifer, like this, these things that were happening that started to kind of open my eyes were affecting me. Mm. Like they were really penetrating my soul and I felt inauthentic if I was not able to convey that to the audience that was building, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. Because everybody else was having a conversation and I felt like I had something to say. So I then wanted to kind of be a part of what that conversation was about in my own way, even if I made it funny. So the way this thing took off, (laughs) I still don't get it. I I, I do not know how to explain it. I don't understand it really. And then it even like progressed, you know, it started with like kind of funny stuff. And then it Mm -hmm. kind of went to like the racial stuff that I was experiencing at work because again, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe, (laughs) I could not believe. And don't get me wrong. Like I understand where we come from. We come from a history in this country of oppression and, you know, civil rights and, you know, racism, very, very deep. I totally get it. But for me and my black skin in 2020 to feel just a little bit of what, it completely blew my mind. Like I I, I couldn't believe it, but I also didn't know how to deal with it. Mm. So it became like, and and I tried to talk to my husband about it, but he, he's never really experienced anything like that or he, he get it now, but right. So he couldn't, I couldn't connect with him. So I started connecting with those people. (laughs) (laughs) And I I think for largely that's what it's for. It's, it's, I can't, or I'm not able, or I feel more comfortable having these conversations sometimes with complete strangers who are also having the same experience. And actually that's what 
got me. I think I saw your first video was one that you had posted recently. Um, you had duetted with Viola Davis when she was talking about, hey, if you think I'm the next Meryl Streep, pay me like Meryl Streep. And I was like, yes. And then I went, right. then I deep dive in all your videos and was looking at the ones um, about, particularly with you and your boss and your, your white boss that was saying all kinds of wild stuff to you. Do you want to talk a little bit about what happened there? My gosh, this woman has educated me in ways that no school could ever ever educate another human being. And it still to this day blows my mind, just the ignorance and the, um, the, the kind of the separation that they are allowed to have, mm -hmm. especially in, in an instance where, ma'am, I'm trying to explain to you how inappropriate it is for you to refer to my three-year-old son who happens to have a huge head full of hair as buckwheat. I need you to understand why that is totally, completely inappropriate. And why, if it were anyone else, you would be dragged yes. right now, ma'am. Like, mm -hmm. I need you to really grasp that. Not because I'm going to drag you right now, because I think that her, I'm not gonna speak, for, I'm not gonna generalize, generalize white people, but she is, I've come to know willfully ignorant because when I tried to explain to her as um, eloquently as I could, she was only resistant and um, defensive. I ain't mean it like that. I it doesn't matter. You need to understand where that comes from and where you're taking, like you. So it, it just started to open up my mind and I started paying attention to what all of the white people around me were saying mm. and how they were seeing me, mm. how they were communicating with me and the scale from willfully ignorant to completely aware and sensitive was just mind blowing. Um, and I'm telling you, Jennifer, just some of the things I experienced there it, in a way, I'm kind of happy that I experienced it because I feel like this woman <clears throat> was not being purpose, purposefully racist. I don't even know if that makes sense yet. That's just something that just came up. I don't think she deliberately meant to refer to my baby as this little black child from this, you know what I mean? As, yeah. as, but I don't think she meant, I think she literally superficially meant he looks like the kid because his hair is all over the place and he's whatever. But the fact that she doesn't understand the connection is bothersome and you got POCs that work for you is an issue and nobody else would say anything. This Mexican woman is sitting here and she's sitting over here talking about, oh, you know how Mexicans are. They, they come and get everything free. And then they just, and she's just like, la la la. And I'm like, slap her, ma'am. I'll do it. What can, look, you cannot say those things, but she's just totally. So what she did, instead of correcting the issue, she just stopped talking to me, my boss. Mm -hmm. she would, wouldn't compliment me anymore because of the whole, you're the cutest black girl I know thing. She just completely cut off compliments. Okay, I don't need your compliments, especially if they don't sound like that, it's fine. Um, so that was just very polarizing for me, especially coming off of Mr. Trump and you know living in a red town. I just started to kind of like open my eyes and pay attention to what I was surrounded by. And it freaked me out. It was so freaky. Yeah, that was an experience. You can't get that inside a classroom. No, no. And, and, it's, and I absolutely agree with you. I think the, the whole like, oh, you look pretty for for a black girl thing was like, what, why? And, and I, I get, I want to give this person the benefit of the doubt, like in her head, she really mm -hmm. thought she was complimenting you. And then it made me sad to think her only experience with a cute black child was buckwheat. How long ago did that show come out? You have no other references for a cute for, or, or just say cute. Like, why does it have to be cute for this? Why can't he just be a cute kid? Why does he have to be cute for this kid? Why do you have to be pretty for this type of woman? Like, just say you look nice today and call it a day, Gladys. You'd, be, you'd be fine. <laughs> <laughs> Easy. <laughs> you'd be fine. 
Yeah. And I, and I think you putting those videos out, because like you said, you didn't understand why nobody was saying anything. And the number of people that have, that have been in your spot that saw your video went, yes, that happened to me too. And for, and to have you model, because I think you did the right approach to her where you said, instead of just getting mad or, or ignoring her or letting it go, you addressed it. You were trying to not yeah. cor- correct a behavior, but mm-hmm. to educate her or to, to let her know like, hey, you're gonna, you can say this to me and this is how we're going to deal with it. You say this to somebody else and you're going to get slapped. Yep. <laughs> so I, I see it as a very positive thing. And I guess if she was anybody else, and I guess, again, people are so afraid of being called racist. It's like, yeah. Oh, am I, am I racist now? Cause I said that, well, maybe, but you can fix Let's it. Talk about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Right. So yes, that's why I love a lot of your videos. And I think, it, yeah, to your degree too, I think I had that in 2020 where I lived before we moved, I lived in Texas and I lived in a very small, um, country town. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not gonna say it's the first time I saw the Confederate flag, but I'm gonna say it's it's the first time that I saw so many <laughs> and so freely, like on cars mm-hmm. or like in your front yard, or we went to um, you know, again, because of the pandemic, my boyfriend and I were trying to give um money to small businesses. And so he needed some obscure part fixed on something. And so we found this small business that was in the middle of nowhere. So I was like, yeah, yeah, let's go. Let's give him the business and drove Mm -hmm. up. And there was a Confederate flag. And I'm like, I'm not getting out the car. (laughs) (laughs) And so I, I feel like you feel like I, was this around before president 45 and I missed it? Like, how did it all of a sudden in 2020, all of this stuff come to vision or come come exposed. Yeah. 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 I agree. Oh, I'm so happy you feel me. Yeah. That's exactly what it felt like. So through your pay, so you're addressing things like, um, like racism and things in the workplace, but then you, you ultimately resigned from that job. Was it ultimately because of the situation? And then also with your radio job, how do you stay politically neutral when you're, job is to kind of talk about stuff that's happening around lots of cursing off the air lots of cursing <laughs> lots of <laughs> lots and lots of door slamming I mean just you know um well you know I maintained the utmost level of neutrality we present the facts you know you know Dr. Fauci has COVID he's in the hospital right now we don't know much right now boom let it go keep going mm. um, off the air obviously my DJ and I we have a uh, candid conversations about different things that are going on in the political climate and obviously discuss if we want to bring them to the radio forefront. Um, In some instances where we have introduced light political commentary onto the station, it never went well. Mm. Um, Obviously living in a red county and being me leaning more toward the, I ain't like Trump. So leading toward <laughs> leading to the whatever on the other side of that um, was not very easy for the public that we had at the time to digest. So again, we would give the facts, if at all, tell people where to go find out more information and just leave it at that. And then also try to stay balanced because for the first time ever in my journalistic career, there was actually a such thing as fake news, which mm. So such a weird concept for me because I've always seen the news as the factual, informational, you know, everything that it's supposed to be, you know? So now with this whole, well, CNN does this and Fox News does this, it's so hard to like, just give the information, you know, without people saying, well, she got that source from CNN or she got that source from Fox News. Such a weird time. So at all costs, we try to avoid it as much as we can, unless it's something that is made national headlines and we mention it. Mm. Facts, bulleted points, that's it. The mic yeah. goes off and we curse a little bit. <laughs> um, <laughs> so to answer the second part of your question, yes, I ultimately resigned probably 70% because of her mm. and her rhetoric. It was becoming harmful to me. Mm. I began to develop anxiety uh, you know, from her just still being passive aggressive and, you know, saying things 
uh, that she likely knew would get a rise out of me. Obviously being labeled the, my, my CEO like to call it sensitive, the sensitive black girl. Ain't nobody say nothing around you because you just, well, y'all just need to watch y'all mouth. Right. <laughs> watch your mouth, you know? Right. Um, but also it became overwhelming. The getting up at four o'clock in the morning, you know, I don't know if you saw uh, parts of my TikTok, but I took off a few weeks after an incident happened at work and I wasn't getting up at four o'clock in the morning during those few weeks. And it felt great, you know, to, to have time for my kids at night and not have to be going to a commission meeting or not have to be, you know, on whatever. So those three weeks kind of just like opened up my eyes again. And then when I went back to work, <laughs> I turned in my notice that day. I can't oh. do it anymore. I oh. can't. Um, <laughs> I like y'all a little bit, but no. And I also felt like there was not going to be any repairing of the damage that she mm-hmm. had done yeah. because she still didn't acknowledge that she was damaging. I told her that we had another station that was a Hispanic station. They actually called me because they were also being offended by her in their face saying Mexican stuff. Oh, no. And I relate that to her. And she said, you don't speak for nobody but yourself. Don't tell me what nobody else say. Oh. But, you know, I'm, I'm an empath. So if I'm somebody hurting, I'm hurting. Mm-hmm. If you're in a good mood, I'm in a good mood. You know, so it's, it just started to weigh on me. And then I felt like I couldn't be the voice of oppression gotcha. <laughs> anymore. Okay. Like, So, yeah, I put in my two-week notice and I haven't looked back. I don't know what I'm going to do, Jennifer. <laughs> I don't know where my paycheck coming from. I don't got no money. <laughs> but I knew... And that's another thing too, that I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt, I could not stay there anymore. Yeah. As much as I love broadcast and I fell in love with those listeners and I, I didn't have any more to give them. Yeah. And, and luckily, and I wonder, and this is probably something you're never going to have an answer for is having this avenue of TikTok, having the, the ability to be yourself and be creative and to say what you want to say, yeah. gave you that space to let go of that career. Cause you know, I feel like you're, you're a creative person. And if you didn't get a chance to do that through work, would you have quit? But now that you have this, it gave you that avenue to go, Oh, well, I still have this other thing that feeds me. So although yeah. I'm going to miss this, I have this. Mm-hmm. Now I just got to figure out a way. That's what I'm doing now. I'm kind of trying to figure out how I can allow the platform that I built to take care of me because I don't know how to, I don't know how to do that. I'm just put videos out there and everybody's like, girl, just like, girl, you got a lot of followers. You can do this and you can make money. And I'm like, how help me? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what to do. So, but that just feels good just to even be in that creative space and not mm-hmm. be so bogged down by there have been times, girl, I have broken down on the air and cried about stuff and you're not supposed to do that. And whatever but you know it's been a it's been a transitional few years Mm -hmm. and that didn't come without tears or laughs or whatever you know and I just put it all out there yeah no it's good and I think again I think the the pandemic has made us all kind of reevaluate stuff especially with your husband being sick I'm sure work was the last thing on your mind and so once he recovered thank goodness you were like oh this is not the most important thing. I've got a husband, yeah. I've got kids. Like uh-huh. <laughs> I, there's other things that fill me. And I love your videos about your kids and your parenting and marriage. So I think that's something that you get to, to build on as well. So how do you come up with the funny videos about your kids and, and your husband? You know, it's so funny. Um, I also suffer from um, ADHD, right? So my thoughts are like, they're all over the place. And so I literally have to carry around a pen and a notepad all the time because I have all these amazing ideas, but I'm in the middle of dinner. So I can't stop and set up the thing. So I have to come back to it. Um, But they just come at the most random times. And sometimes they are (laughs) real life occurrences. I just did a video this morning where my husband called from work and he said, he said his boss asked him to not talk to the residents. He works at a senior facility. So he, she told him not to talk to the residents, but he knows one of the residents because it's his homeboy's mama and he look out for her, whatever. So he was like, he called me, he was all in the tizzy. Who she thinks she is? She don't tell me who I can talk to and who, 
And so I was like, this lady got some nerves. They're just giving out nerves. Is that what? (laughs) (laughs) And so that's kind of how it happens with the kids too. My kids are so funny. They're the funniest little kids (laughs) ever. And they down for some foolery. They're down for being silly. Mm-hmm. so they just make it even more fun and what started getting them involved was they won't leave me alone <laughs> when I'm doing something <laughs> if they were here right now they'll be all in the camp like so I'm just like okay come on what you want to do what you want to be that part okay and so I just incorporate them in it and that's another part too that I have kind of seen grow was like my parenting like incorporating them into things not being so serious about if they jump in front of the mic at work, which has happened so many times on the air, mommy, right in the middle of <laughs> opening up the mic, um, whatever, it's fine. It's life. And you're going to miss those moments. And those are your babies and never going to be five again, mm-hmm. you know, so why not have some fun with them and let them see mommy have fun. Let them see mommy be happy. You know? Yes. My favorite yeah. one. I think the two I haven't seen you know, you did one for your daughter, the the different videos you do about what it's like to be your son. And like, you walked in and just threw your bag down, like, mom, I want a snack. And like, you did one for your daughter too. And how long do those take? I've seen the transition videos. I mean, I know you have plenty of content from them just living in your house, but when you decide to put that together, what's your process for, do, do you do a script? And then you have the outfit changes. Are you recording everything yourself? Like, how does, how does, what goes into all that because I know with my little podcast the amount of time it takes and I'm not doing custom changes and transitions yeah. like you are so yeah. what is that process like for creating one of those videos um I do all the recording myself I wish I had help with those sometimes um it takes probably from beginning to end probably I would say about maybe two hours or so give or take is that a long time I mean, just because I don't do it, that sounds like a long time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And and obviously it depends. Like if I'm doing the outfit changes, obviously it's a little bit different, but like the ones in the car that say this, um, those are pretty, those come to me like that. And I'm like, boom, no script. I just kind of do it. The only time there's a script is if I can't do it right then. And I want to remember the pieces. So I'll do a quick record on my phone or write down a couple of the, the pieces, but um, I just kind of hold my phone up and <laughs> record one piece and then go, go back and record the other piece. I just learned, though, that there's an easier way to do it, which I'm trying to figure out uh, more time saving ways to to do it. But probably the longest time it's taken me to put together one, you know, put the videos, edit the videos, probably about two hours. OK. And they're yeah. worth it because they're hysterical. <laughs> well, you know what? It's so funny, and I'm happy that they are. Because I actually feel guilty sometimes afterward because I feel like I spent all day making a video. I was just spent two hours making a video. Like, what? And, you know, if the video made me $5, then I'll be like, okay. But (laughs) for 13 cents, it's like, what have you really done with your day today? Um, So I'm happy to hear people say they like them and stuff. And that's what really means so much is because you spend all this time when you could have been, you know, applying for three jobs, um, making a video, you know, so yeah. <laughs> somebody laughs or they like it or they can relate. It, it definitely says, okay, two hours well spent. Yes. And I don't have a husband or a child and I think they're hysterical. So you're speaking <laughs> to people that, that don't even have family like that. So, yeah, <laughs> but, I think, but I mean, I have a boyfriend, so I understand the whole Bam. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm gonna make one of them day. I'm gonna make one of them day. <laughs> Girl. <laughs> All right. So thinking about yeah, so monetizing it is an idea. Um, yeah. is that what you want to do? I mean, thinking about the next stage of your career, because you've got all of this experience in so many different areas. Is that really yeah. what your passion is for your next career? I want to I want to have a podcast. That's something I've been talking about for years. And I have just not, I bought a microphone. Honey, I bought a light. <laughs> I, got, I did everything you're supposed to do. I downloaded the app. I just, I, 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 I would love everybody that's in my, in my um, cheering section right now is saying, start the freaking podcast. Do it. My husband and I go live on Facebook with podcast topics and we just kind of talk about the topics on the live and they're like, 
somebody could be paying for this. Like go start the freak. So that is my ultimate goal. Like, because with the experience that I've just had, I kind of want to do what I was doing, even talking about news, mm-hmm. but kind of on my own accord, mm-hmm. you know, on my own platform by my own rules and not have to temper if I don't want to yep. um, my message. You know, I, I remember one time my CEO told me, um, I know it's Black History Month, but we're, don't don't talk about Black history on the air. That's not my audience. That's not our audience. What? 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 Okay, so I was given like a Black history fact a day. Just a short little fact. Harriet Tubman was blah, 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 blah. Couldn't do it. And it broke my heart. Like, I felt like I was selling out because mm-hmm. I, I, I didn't get a chance to deliver that message. So I felt like a podcast was the only way. And again, the lives with my husband were also good ways to get it out, you know, mm-hmm. talk about things. So yes, ultimately I would love to have a, some kind of radio broadcast or video broadcast, just talking, interviewing people, talking about interesting things, giving opinions, listening to opinions, having a dialogue. Perfect. And you'd be, and you would be great at it for sure. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, and so you're, and I don't have kids, so I'm, I'm wondering what, has 2020 kind of changed your parenting for kids? And are you kind of approaching your parenting differently now? Yeah, and, TikTok. And, go ahead. TikTok. TikTok. <laughs> yeah, like these people talking about gentle parenting and uh, all of these things, like that has like revolutionized parenting for me because I didn't grow up with gentle parenting. Mm. You know, I grew up, I grew up, my parents didn't know none about my parents in gentle a lot of times, you know? <laughs> To be honest with you, Jennifer, I'm growing in all aspects of my life as a woman, as a parent, as a mom, as a thinker, Mm -hmm. as a student, as so many different um, evolutions of myself. And I'm loving it. I still haven't figured everything out yet, but that's not what it's about for me. It's just saying I used to think like this. Now I'm considering this. And that is a beautiful reward for me. So, yes, um, 2020. And I always had this picture, though, I will say, like before I had my kids, I was like, oh, I ain't gonna never yell. They're gonna have all the, you know, <laughs> everything. And then, you know, stress and things happen and just stuff. And, you know, I was always pretty apologetic if I felt like I did something wrong. But just saying, you know, I want to give them options and I want to, you know, allow them to express themselves. And, and my husband looking over there like... <laughs> If you don't go get that belt, I'm going to whoop you and them. Um, but yeah, I, I got to say that, you know, it's, it's got to be 2020 because the pandemic put me in a place where my husband wasn't with us. So I was able to do things the way that I wanted to do them and then monitor that progress. Also learning things from other parents on TikTok, that community, different things that they tried that worked. Um, and I was always a very like health conscious person. So I always was made fun of for buying the organic and the expensive stuff and not, you know, not the microwaves, you know, all this kind of thing. So it's just really changed me from then. It's, 20, this it's 2022. This is a new, this is a new parenting style. Watch this TikTok. <laughs> TikTok. <laughs> I know I resisted it for so long and now I'm, i spend probably too much of my day on TikTok, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of good creators out there. And there's a lot of people that are saying, I mean, the ones that don't, you're like, oops, skip. Um, But the ones that do, you're like, yes, there's somebody out there that thinks like I think, or that is going through what I'm going through. And, you know, you may not always have people directly around you. So if you can access those people remotely, (laughs) then it it makes you feel sane. And I I do follow a lot of like um, ADD, ADHD accounts where I'm just like, oh, okay, cool. That's not just me. (laughs) Oh, great. You got to send me some of those. Yes. I'll send you some. Cause it's like, there's one guy who's like, yes, that's exactly what I'm going through. Perfect. (laughs) Isn't it? amazing to be able to identify the stuff that you're you know and that's the same thing with my husband I'm trying to communicate to him babe this is why I'm like this Look. <laughs> and he's like girl you know he just totally detached but yes it's so it's so true and I gotta tell you I went back and I watched and listened to a few of your podcast episodes absolutely love what you are doing it is amazing I love it I am totally in awe and honored even more so listening to the other guests 
who sounded actually like they knew what they were talking about, like, you know, like they were smart. Um, listening to them and then feeling even more honored that you reached out to me for this amazing opportunity. You are guest that I'm that I was looking for and hoping for okay. and and you are exactly who I thought you would be and it's and even more because I'm like okay she's she's a little kind of you know a lot more like me than I thought so because you know sometimes I see people with with kids and I'm like eh, I don't have anything in common with them and I'm like oh no yeah. but but they're other they're people besides mom but you also have this very rich <laughs> career and and family and the stuff that you're experiencing so yes to be able to connect with that is awesome so thank you for for joining us today so my Perfect. last question for you is if okay. you could look 10 years into the future what would you like to see then know that you've been successful to know that I've been successful? Ooh, good question. Um, if I'm going to be completely honest, I would like to not be struggling. Like I want to be, um, like understand my emotions more. I want to understand my um, children more. I want to understand my family dynamic more because the way that my life happened, happened so quickly. Mm. Um, my mom passed away in March. I met my Sorry. now husband in um, September. We were married in February and I had my first baby before the year was out. So everything just kind of happened. I just became like wife, mother, you know, whatever mm -hmm. in less than a year. And so still trying to manage all of those things over the last few years has been a struggle. And then also, you know, as I mentioned earlier in my family, we talked a lot about feelings and feeling good and doing something that makes you happy. That doesn't always bring you financial security. So I'm tired of struggling financial, financially also, I wanna find a medium, a marriage between you're happy, you're fulfilling your dreams, you're still doing what you wanna do, but you're also eating. Like you also <laughs> found a way to, <laughs> not have the lights turned off. Right. Um, and so I just think at the end of the day, that brings all the things together. I can do all these wonderful things for my family that I want to do, but I also feel fulfilled in a way that I could not get from inside of someone else's office or behind someone else's desk. I'm still able to do the things that bring me joy and give other people so much joy, but then still you know, be able to thrift shop as much as I like. <laughs> Which is important. It's called balance. It's important. <laughs> All right, yes. Keisha, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Where can my four listeners find you? Probably the most popular address would be my uh, TikTok uh, at Keisha Nice to Meet you, but I'm also on Instagram at Keisha Nice to Meet you. And I'm on Facebook where my lives happen with my husband at uh, Keisha Burchell Webb. So um, I hope to meet some new and interesting people after this. And I hope I won't be a stranger to your podcast. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to this episode of the Wise and Wine podcast. Don't forget, episodes come out every Tuesday wherever you find podcasts. Remember to rate, subscribe, and review. You can also find information about my guests on my Instagram page at Wise and Wine Podcast, or send me an email if you have any questions, comments, or concerns at wiseandwine at gmail.com. So I hope that our time today helps you pass the time on your commute, pass the time on the treadmill, or pass the time while you're working on those TPS reports. And hopefully you left this day a little wiser. Have a great day. Bye-bye.